we were treating other conditions with uh, pain medication, and oftentimes the opioids were making the conditions we were trying to treat worse. The, the nerve blocks, in addition to the preemptive medications, really goes a long way towards eliminating the pain before it starts or getting it at, at its root cause. Hello and welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle. Today, we speak with a panel of experts about reducing and in some cases, eliminating altogether the use of opioids before and after surgery. Part of an enhanced recovery approach, many patients experience less pain, shorter hospital stays, and quicker recovery times. We talked to a team at South Shore University Hospital behind this innovative approach. They are Dr. Dominic Gadaletta, Chairman of the Department of Surgery at South Shore University Hospital, Rob, thank you so much for inviting us uh, to be here. This is an extremely important topic. We also have Dr. David Peckman, who is an assistant professor of surgery at the Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra. Thank you for having us. Finally, we speak with Northwell's assistant vice president for emergency medicine addiction services, Dr. Sandeep Kapoor. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. Dr. Gadaletta just mentioned how important this topic is. The opioid crisis continues to take tens of thousands of lives annually, a national crisis that has only gotten worse. Dr. Gadaletta, tell us why you brought this opioid sparing approach to the surgical team at South Shore University Hospital. I just want to start by giving you some background. Um, Several years ago at one of the other Northwell hospitals, North Shore University Hospital, um, I was asked as part of a team to help patient throughput and to help shorten length of stay and to see what the barriers were. Uh, what we quickly learned were um, the things that we were doing to the patient were part of the barriers to uh, recovery. Uh, this led to a concept of enhanced recovery, which was going on in Europe, uh, that we quickly adapted uh, to uh, our programs at North Shore. And what, as it turns out, one of the most important things besides innovative surgical techniques is the elimination of opioids. We were using um, opioid medication for uh, pain relief, um, but when you switch it out to other modalities, you don't get the side effects of the opioids. And what we saw was shorter length of stay, quicker recovery, better patient satisfaction. Um, and it's to the point now we have the techniques that we brought to South Shore um, that we are able to actually give no opioids in the post-operative period. And we send patients home without any of these medications. It's started with uh, a few procedures where you had big incisions and you turned them into pencil-sized incisions using laparoscopic and robotic techniques. And now it's really um, moving on to, to other things, more invasive procedures. Dr. Peckman, what do you think about this? It sounds amazing not to be prescribing opioids to patients. I agree with Dr. Gattelot. It's a very important topic to discuss. Um, I, I think our allowing patients to experience the the perioperative and postoperative period without opioid medications really enhances their recovery, enhances their experience. I was a bit skeptical at first. I came from training prior to uh, joining Dr. Gattaletta to start the program at South University Hospital with an experience where we did use opioid medications. Uh, and in my residency and in my fellowship, every patient wound up with fairly sizable dose uh, in the post immediate postoperative period. 
Um, and they would go home with somewhere between 15 and 30 pills of whether it be Percocet or Vicodin, um, many of which go unused uh, and unneeded. Uh, but uh, like Dr. Galletta said, the side effects are, uh, are, are many uh, from these medications. Patients don't necessarily benefit from them. Um, and it's in our program, we're not withholding medications that the patients need. We actually do such a good job of multimodal pain therapy that the patients do not need those medications. Um, and then if we can avoid the downstream effects of slower bowel motility, uh, some patients really experience severe nausea or itchiness, uh, little things that, that can become big things then cause other issues. So if we can really eliminate all of those downstream problems, let patients spend less time in the hospital and to feel better, it's really a win-win. So we take away the opioids. What are we doing so these patients aren't experiencing pain? So understanding basic anatomy and where the pain come from uh, the, and the, uh, the pain axis is really the first key. So if we can block pain, and we do this with our anesthesia colleagues uh, at, at its source, at the nerve level, um, the patient does not experience pain. But the other thing is to uh, have your colleagues, nursing staff, the entire team, including the patient, understand what pain really is. And it turns out we were treating other conditions with uh, pain medication, and oftentimes the opioids were making the conditions we were trying to treat worse. So a patient has bloating from, uh, from the stress response, you, and you treat that with opioids, it actually makes the pain worse. Um, and uh, the, the nerve blocks, in addition to the preemptive medications like acetaminophen, and, um, and anti-inflammatory drugs really goes a long way towards eliminating the pain before it starts or getting it at, at its root cause. Yeah, Dr. Peckman had mentioned that a lot of times people will go home with 30 or 50 pills, that they don't need that many, and they end up sitting in the medicine cabinet. So Dr. Kapoor, how does this make you feel that they are doing surgeries where they are not giving opioids to patients? Uh, first and foremost, I'm honored to be even sitting at the same table because I think um, what both uh, these amazing colleagues have shown is it's time for a reset, right? Uh, instead of really following industry norms um, that uh, we've been trained and forced to follow for years, um, we're really taking a step back and understanding even simple things as what really is pain. Not that it's simple, but to go back to that simple question, what pain is, as well as what the needs of that individual, that patient is. Um, you know, I think the focus, the innovation, the process, um, and obviously the outcomes speak for themselves, right? If you don't need to utilize this medication or this type of medication, which has a place in medicine, but if you don't need to use it in a blanket, you know, cookie cutter approach, then why have we been doing it for so many years? So just hearing their experiences is actually very heartwarming. Um, you know, our team is extremely focused on trying to stand up multiple solutions for this multifactorial issue of the opioid crisis. And, you know, seeing that uh, surgeons have taken this step forward um, in such a proactive manner and now are speaking about this to encourage others and empower others. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty exciting moment. Yeah, I mean it, it's interesting. Several years ago, uh, the American College of Surgeons actually published a recommendation list on how many pills you should be sending patients home with uh, uh, opioid pills um, by by uh, specific operation. Uh, it quickly became outdated because the surgical techniques and the anesthesia techniques were so much better than their recommendations, uh, you could never keep up. And it turns out it was a, a bad idea. 
Um, but one of the things that we haven't said that I think is important and, and the thing that makes us most passionate about it is any narc, uh, opioid naive patient that's given a prescription and sent home with it after any operation is about a three or four percent chance that they'll be still on the opioid, not for pain, but uh, addicted to it um, a year later. And for the bulk of the surgery we do, which is weight loss surgery, uh, with the problem of cross addiction, it's, it's up to eight to 10%. So we really take that responsibility very seriously and, and it really uh, was the impetus to do as much as we're doing and, and to uh, really get to a point where we do not send narcotic naive patients home with a prescription for opioids. Yep. And it's, it's actually been interesting to see how this has changed uh, with implementation on the floor uh, over the last now almost three years. Occasionally there would be a patient who we would uh, hear got one dose post-operatively, but really within the first couple of months of the program, that really felt almost zero because once, once we had buy-in from everyone involved, I've been able to see a real change and it happened very quickly, but really for the last two years, um, things have been going very steadily and we, it's virtually absent on the floor, opiate use. Yeah. And I'll just say, you know, I think there was something really beautiful in what you just shared uh, about, you know, empowering other clinical team members on this interprofessional team to look at this differently, right? Because the knee-jerk reaction is, uh, you know, let's give them that medication that we're so used to giving them and it will resolve at least us being bothered by it to a certain degree. Because I know Dr. Gadalad in the past, you've mentioned about people's fear about receiving those phone calls um, post-operatively. And the reality is, you know, just hearing about how you've uh, you know, really built partnership with the nursing team, the social work team, uh, the ACPs, the other physicians, the residents, the youngest generation, for them to really visualize this in a different manner, to really understand, again, what that patient's needs are versus what is the clinical norm for so many years. And I think that that's that's a challenge that is very difficult for many, which paralyzes people from even putting something to the, together like this. The good news is um, we did all of the hard work over the past uh, five to eight years, and we were able to bring a complete package uh, that came through, uh, you know, sweat and tears at at the other camp, at Mahasset um, to the, the Bayshore area, and it's really uh, taken off. Um, there also there needs to be education though in medical school and in nursing school and and uh, you know ACP school, and people need to come into it now knowing that this is possible. So Dr. Gattaletta, how unique is this, not just here, but around the country? There are 800 bariatric programs uh, across the country, accredited bariatric programs. And uh, I'm part of the American College of Surgeons Quality and Safety Committee. And we did a process improvement project and invited all 800 programs to join just on, on this uh, topic, trying to mitigate uh, opioid use in the hospital and post-discharge. About 300 programs across the country um, signed up, and, and uh, we were able to reduce the amount of opioid use across the country, motivated programs, by about 25%. Um, but the number of never use, like, like we have at North Shore and South Shore, um, out of the 300 programs was less than 10%, uh, and it was closer to 5%. So there are a few people across the country doing it. 
Um, but the vast majority uh, are not doing it. Um, and even if we can get people, instead of prescribing uh, 30 Oxy-5s, to prescribe five, uh, I think we're doing good work. Um, and we can't discourage people that need that crutch. Um, but I, I want to see the day where it's uh, zero across the board. Tell me how patients are reacting when they find out they're not going to be prescribed opioids. I've been very impressed with how uh, happy patients are with our plan. When, when we set expectations preoperatively, when we discuss with patients that they will not need uh, opiates, uh, they're excited to hear that. And I've actually had a, several patients who have sat in my office saying, I really don't want my hernia repaired because I'm afraid of uh, needing morphine, needing I've actually had uh, two patients in particular mentioned fentanyl because that's something that they'd heard on whether it was the news or in pop culture. Um, but it, it, the, it's definitely out in the public eye more than it was before. <clears throat> patients, a lot of patients have someone they know personally um, who has been negatively affected by, by opiates or by uh, abuse. Um, and, uh, and, and patients are really happy to hear that they will not need uh, opiates within, uh, within our program. Earlier, Dr. Gattaletta mentioned blocking pain at its source using nerve blocks. We recently spoke with Northwell's head of anesthesiology, Dr. Joseph Marino, on the show about his efforts to expand the use of nerve blocks across the 21 hospital health system, including in emergency departments. Here's what Dr. Marino had to say. And what's so beautiful about the nerve block is that, God forbid, if you fracture your hip, you're going to come in and people are going to perform a procedure that takes seconds and is going to give you significant pain relief without the adverse effects of uh, morphine-like drugs. This will be standard of care across every Northwell facility. Listeners can find that episode in our feed now, but Dr. Peckman, can you tell us a little bit more about what a nerve block is and what it does? Ultimately, the goal is to allow patients to experience the procedure without ever experiencing the incision incisional pain. If we can knock out those nerves temporarily so that you never feel that cutaneous pain from the incision, uh, we use a long lasting local anesthetic um, that it's very similar to what you get at the dentist, but it lasts for three days. And so by the time that wears off, you've really healed that skin incision. So our goal is that you never feel it. What I tell patients is you will wake up and you'll either feel no pain or you'll feel like you did a, a bunch of sit-ups. And, and other... Um you know, orthopedics has their blocks based on which uh, limb they're working on and gynecology and, and colorectal surgery are blocking a different part of the abdominal wall. Uh, it's very thoughtful. If you, if you take the time to uh, minimize your incisions, uh, maximize your, uh, your preoperative and perioperative uh, um, protocols, uh, you, you get very similar results. The reason we can do outpatient total joint replacements in 2022 is because of the, the pain issue or the lack thereof. Yeah, I would assume that you might have a better recovery if you don't have to rely on opioids. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that's because of a couple of things. We avoid the direct effects of the side effects of the opiates, but also the secondary effects are if a patient is more lethargic, they won't be walking, they won't start their own uh, path to recovery. I just want to highlight one thing that Dr. Gadaletta said, right? Because I think it's really important um, to make sure it resonates with your listeners, which is the team is not withholding opioids, right? Um, there is another crisis outside of the opioid or substance use crisis or overdose crisis. There is a pain crisis out there where opioids do have a legitimate 
place in terms of treating individuals with chronic pain um, and other needs. Um, this program is not about withholding. It's actually providing different options and opportunities with the consent of the patient, but it's really about giving individuals their decision-making power back that you're not going to go through a program and really just follow this 30, 60 pill kind of count when you get discharged and good luck. But there is this thoughtfulness that's being put into play here. Just to expand on, on a point, you know, we do see patients uh, who have chronic pain and who see uh, pain doctors and who come in on various amounts of, of opioids. Uh, what we're able to do with those patients is send them home on no more opioids than they came in on. And that's also a win. Yeah, by far. Because you, you can really derail somebody who's stable on a set dose of chronic medication at, at home. Um, and they took them a long time to get there and they're at a steady state. Um, and then not think about these things and really throw them over, over the edge. And then um, they wind up in crisis. Do you think that these conversations and these types of new modalities that are taking place are going to make a difference in the opioid crisis? I think by far uh, there's got to be shared accountability um, and healthcare, unfortunately, is pushed many ways. But if you could see the championship around this table right now, I mean, these folks are actually now pushing and motivating others to look at this differently. But yeah, healthcare needs to be uh, needs to be held accountable as well as, uh, you know, there should be some sort of element of uh, innovation that follows. And, you know, I would say that both colleagues and I would pose this question to them is, you know, how much of this is really difficult to do versus smarter? Uh, I, I would argue it's easier uh, to certainly taking care of the, of the patient postoperatively is easier when you're not dealing with the negative side effects, whether direct or indirect of opiate medications. Uh, any general surgeon in the world can be taught how to do a tap lock in about five minutes and then they'll after they've done three, they're an expert. Because um, it is it is a relatively simple procedure to do, uh, and and the the benefits are phenomenal. But uh, I, I think it's it's again just getting over that that hump of of really starting it, seeing seeing your first batch of patients do well, uh, and then I think I don't think anyone would ever turn back after implementing such a program. Yeah, I mean, interestingly, uh, I have uh, a lot of colleagues who would give the. Uh, the nerve, do the block or the local anesthetic at the end of the operation. And for years I've been saying, why are you doing it at the end? Okay, the pain starts when you make the incision, do it at the beginning. So you're right, it's not more work. It's just thinking of the work in a different way. And Rob, to go back to, I mean, just to quote Dr. Gattaletti here, you know, thinking of this in a different way, we are so consumed by picking up the newspaper or looking on our phones. I mean, there is death all around us. There's morbidity all around us when it comes to these medications, this class of medications. And this is proof in the pudding right here, sitting at this table on this end of the table, there's proof in the pudding right here, right? Like if you could just implement the simplest amount of changes in practice and get others involved in that process, including the patients, you have a recipe for success. And that's a perfect segue into our final segment here on 20 Minute Health Talk. We always like to end on a positive note. So Dr. Gattaletta, I will start with you. What gives you hope and what gives you optimism going forward? Well, I, I'm, I'm optimistic that I'm, I'm uh, going to be, um, I'm not going to get a phone call about a patient that I uh, did bariatric surgery on who weighed 300 pounds, lost 120 or 180 pounds, and five years later died of an overdose. Um, 
I have heard that story. I've heard it from my orthopedic colleagues. Uh, we, we take it to heart and we take it uh, very seriously. And I hope to never hear that again. Dr. Pacman, what gives you hope? I'm, I'm actually very excited from what I've heard from colleagues around the country that this is starting to be more, um, more common, that, that people... Patients know the risks of opiate medications. They it, now it is in the pop culture. It's in the public public sphere that it's something patients want to avoid, and it's something that clinicians are getting better equipped to help them avoid around the country. Is this a question that the patient should ask their doctor whether or not they do this type of surgery? I think so. And and if if um, I think if any patient wants to avoid nar- uh, opiate medications, they, they should have that discussion with their surgeon. And, and I think increasingly more, more and more surgeons will be willing to have that discussion and, and limit or, or eliminate the use of opiates. Dr. Kapoor, what gives you hope? What gives you optimism? Optimism by far, knowing that um, we're not in this alone, right? You know, healthcare is siloed by far, many, many silos in healthcare. And, and again, just to see the surgical field and two amazing I would call them experts and, and talented motivators, um, you know, to be part of this process, to figure out what other solution can be thrown into this battery of solutions. Uh, that gives me a lot of optimism and pride. Thank you. Dr. Kapoor, Dr. Peckman, Dr. Gadaletta, thank you so much for joining us here on 20 Minute Health Talk. And to you, the listener, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Rob Hoyle. Have a great day. Stay safe. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.